I mean, we, we come into our um, second week in our series, The Good Life. But it's not just the good life, it's the good life according to God. See, the thing we need to realise is the good life is not about gaining income and money and possessions and, you know, kicking your feet back and just having a good time. It's not about praying to God and asking for a blessing upon our lives. The good life is actually about living life with a purpose that God has given us and it's also about having a rich personal relationship with our Lord and Saviour. Within that framework, our lives are made complete. Our lives become the good life according to God. We follow upon those things. They're the foundations of how we're going to build and talk about the various aspects of the good life. What does it mean to live this way? How do we play out in our lives and in the communities that we live in, how does the good life, according to God, play out in these communities? How do we live with purpose, a purpose that God has given us, each and every one of us, individuals, and as a community, how does that affect what we actually do, what we think, how we behave? How does our relationship with God affect our lives? Now, I hope when I'm asking these questions, they're starting to raise in you some thoughts and, and, you know, well, how does it bring some kind of understanding of how, if we've got a relationship with our Lord and Saviour, this actually has an impact, it has a change, has an effect on our lives, and so therefore we need to, we need to follow what God wants us to do. You know, to see our relationship with God and fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives, that, that is the good life and that, that plays out in the world we actually, where we actually need to look at a few things. We need to actually look at our morals and our ethics. So today we're going to be exploring our morals and our ethics. And it was interesting because I was reading in Eternity News this week a story about um, Alec McHarg um, a 22-year-old who was at, who was at university. And, you know, university is that hotbed of, of thought and academic um, rigour, but it's also a place where you're challenged. Your beliefs and beliefs are challenged. Your ideas and identity of who you are are challenged. Things are kind of moulded and shaped and pushed apart by these academics and the things that we're seeing. Now, Alec is um, studying medicine um, and is a Christian, uh, and actually, it's interesting because in studying me medicine as a Christian, what Alec was saying was that they were navigating a minefield of ethical issues all the time. Now, I just want to read you a little quote from Alec. I often aired, did air my opinion, but I don't think I actually used my faith or the Bible as my reasoning. I feel like people are happy for you to have your own opinion if it doesn't affiliate with an institution or a faith background. But as soon as you say, oh, well, the Bible says this, I feel potentially that people would form opinions of me that are incorrect and make assumptions 
or write me off as not being progressive. Have you ever, have you ever noticed how that happens? That in society nowadays, if you say, well, the Bible says this, people go, oh, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear what you're saying. Or if you say, you know, the church says this, I don't want to hear because that's the religious institution. It's kind of, you know, we don't want your morals, we don't want your ethics. But if we're going to live the good life according to God, and this is going to be challenging for us. It's going to be confronting, and it's actually going to require us to have a rich, deep faith in Jesus Christ. You can't have a wishy-washy faith. You actually have to have a rich, deep faith in Jesus Christ in order to have the good life according to God. It requires a confidence that God will change all things, that all things in all situations, God can change this. It is possible to do this. So let's see how God actually allows the good life according to him how this relates to morals and ethics. And I'm going to play on the screens for you. So I'm going to, we, we, I'm going to try something new here for you. We've got a diagram up here. Um, and, and, and I just want us to go through this so that we can see how the good life according to God, um, the, the, the fulfilling of God's purpose for your life, and the rich personal relationships, how that interrelates and interplays with our ethics and morals. Now, I, I need to say this up front. Um, often people will say that ethics and morals, they'll interchange them. They'll use them one and, you know, the same thing. You know, they mean the same thing. Well, in essence, they mean very similar things. And I just want to make a distinction for us. Now, now morals... Morals are our personal, and I want to make this distinction for us. This is what, how we're going to use it. Our morals are our personal basis of good and wrong, whereas the ethics are the community basis and societal basis, the groupings of people, how they define right and wrong. So, if we are living the good life according to God... The thing that we know is that we need to have a rich personal relationship with God. We got that? We're happy with that? And see, what happens is that is going to lead us to having our morals because it's our personal relationship with God. It is that, that moment that God says that this is how I should be living my life. And how do I know I should be living my life? How do I know what is good? And what is evil, what is wrong, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, it's because of our rich personal relationship with God. That is what builds the foundation of our morals. Our moral life comes from that relationship with God. We all, we're all on board with that? Okay, fantastic. But how do we then relate to our community? What is it that helps us relate to our community? Well, it's actually fulfilling that purpose that God has for your life, that allows us to create an ethics so that the things that allow for the community, the good and the evil, how we can define that for ourselves. It's, it's how we live out our moral, our personal things in a community setting. That sets the ethical tone. And so what happens is our morals 
if we have a good, strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ, will always be informing the ethics that we have when we work within the community. And we, we exist as a community of believers here, and our ethics are built on the personal foundation of Jesus Christ and the morals that we come from that and are built on the foundation that we have a purpose to do this. And so our ethics show this as a Christian community. Now, what we have and the problem that we have is that when we start thinking about our society, and, and see, this is, this is what's happening. When we start thinking about a society, people often say, I mean, we're going to jump onto, I think, the screen over there, so you're going to have to pay attention to this one for a moment. So this is, this is how it's going to be tricky for us. So we're going to jump over to there. See, what happens is that when people start thinking about society, what they've said is they've said this. They don't want this relationship here anymore. They want that not to be there. They don't want, they say God is not defining our morals. So what happens is that they develop a sense of ethics that is good and bad for the society and just really starts to allow... See, this is the thing. As, as society's norms change and are challenged by different beliefs, different systems, different uh, allowing things to come in, it actually changes the ethics behind that. Yeah, it is about good and evil. And, and ultimately, when we look at our society, there are things that we will say are, are evil. You know, we, we, killing people, murder is evil, but we still think, you know, in, in an ethical society, that's the case. And, and same within our Christian morals, that's the same as well. So there are certain things that align, but then there are things that don't. And what happens is, in the absence of having God, any personal relationship with God, where do our morals, where do our own personal understanding of right and wrong come from if we don't have a close personal relationship with God? Well, what happens is the community ethics starts to feed into that. And so we start taking on board the norms of what society starts to say. And we're saying, well, this is how I'm going to live my life. Because we've lost that connection with God. So in order for us to have our, our, our morals and our ethics really coming into into play, we need to have that personal relationship with God. We need to be fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives because if we're not fulfilling this purpose, if we don't have any of this and, it, and we don't have any connection, then society is going to dictate what we have as saying what is right and what is wrong and we start letting things in that go against the grain of what God has for us. But when people start looking in our society, they'll see, and, and, and people rightly say this, the church is full of hypocrites. Yep. Have you ever heard that? Why would I want to go to church that's full of hypocrites? Because, you, you know what, you know why? Why are people, why are churches full of hypocrites? It's because they have only a very small relationship with God only a little bit of that relationship with God is giving a little bit towards their personal morals. But they place a really big 
emphasis on doing the right thing. You've got to do the right thing. But they have a little point of, of saying that they don't have a big amount of morals because their morals are not guided by that. So what happens is they try and tell people how to live without having this personal relationship with God and it becomes problematic because people see through that because they are not living out their life based on their personal relationship with God. They see the problems come up. You know, in Australian society, you know, in Australian society we have had major issues. You know, over the years we've seen the church lose its, its moral authority completely uh, over the child sexual abuse, uh, about uh, the stolen generations, the way we've treated people who have been different. The church has lost any moral authority around that because of those things. It has also changed because the church is no longer in the centre of society. It is no longer Christendom, no longer doing what we need to do. And therefore, the ethics, it comes back over to here, the ethics of what we have, of how society develops it, becomes the centre. Not our close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need to figure out and we need to realise that the most important thing to have is to actually have these things all in working together. To live the good life according to God is to have that close, rich, personal relationship with God which leads to a deep sense of morals, what is right and what is wrong based on what God has set for us in life. It also means that we need to fulfil the purpose of God in our life and therefore that leads to an ethical behaviour, the way our society needs to behave. Our morals need to inform that. Integrity means that what we think and what we, have, what we say is what we do. We don't heap it onto other people. We don't say you've got to do this and don't do it ourselves. The integrity happens when all of these work together. So this is really important for us. So people happy to move on from there? So because that, that we've got all that kind of concept? So, so I want to jump into Scripture to help us understand this and help us understand what Jesus felt when, we saw, when he saw religious leaders being hypocritical. And we're going to jump into Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 23, and we're going to have a look at the first, Matthew, Matthew 23, verses 1 through to 7, which kind of sets the scene. And, you know, all, if you ever get a chance, and please do, I hope you are reading the Bible. Um, and if, if nothing else, read the Gospels because they will let you know who Jesus Christ is. But Matthew 23 is the chapter that is there that talks about hypocrisy within the religious institution and what Jesus thought about it. So here's the scene, setting the scene for us. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, so it wasn't just, just him but to, to the crowd and the disciples. So he's actually talking to everybody but he's also specifically talking to the people that will follow him, that are following him, that say, we are a follower of Jesus Christ, his disciples. So he's talking to them. The teachers of the religious laws and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So in other words, they sit in the seat of Moses. They sit and they say, this is what, we, this is what Moses had said. So practice and obey what they tell you, 
but don't follow their example. Why? Why shouldn't we be following? So listen to what they're saying. They're saying, these are the rules. This is the framework. This is what God wants you to do. This is what has come down through years and years. This is the law of Moses. Listen to what they say. But don't follow the example because, for they don't practice what they teach. And what is that? They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burdens. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra extra wide prayer boxes, which are called phylacteries, um, with uh, scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the seat of honour in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. You know, can you see what's happening? This is hypocrisy 101, isn't it? This is, we want you to do this, but I'm not going to do it myself. We want you to respect me because I tell you what to do, but I'm secretly still myself not going to do it. Actually, as a matter of fact, openly, I'm not going to go and do it. That is, that is really poor. That is not the way to live. That is not living a life of integrity, is it? That is living a life of hypocrisy. So if we talk about prayer as a church, if we talk about prayer as an individual, we should be praying. If we talk about giving to the poor, we should be what? Giving to the poor. If we talk about you know, loving our neighbour as ourselves, what should we be doing? Loving our neighbour as ourselves. It's, it's actually having it all together, in, integrated with one another. It's not telling people what they have to do and not doing it themselves. It's about integrating it all. So if we, if we take that and then we listen to a little bit more, Jesus, Jesus was not being particularly nice here, but he was telling the truth. And sometimes the truth will sting Because God's truth is like a two-edged sword and will cut you if you are being hypocritical. If you are paying lip service, these words from Jesus will cut you because you are not following through with all of your life. It, It means you are not really having that close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It really means you are not fulfilling the promise and the purpose God has placed there for you in your life. So if we move a little bit further into Matthew 23, and we come into verse 25 here. So Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 to 28 says this. And this is, this is really telling for those who teach and who are the ones that say, this is what God says. Because the moment you become a teacher, the moment you start to say, this is what God says, this is opening up the word of God and telling other people about it, we need to be able to fulfill our life of what God has for us. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious lords and Pharisees? Hypocrites. Notice it's hypocrites. For you are careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. So the part, he's talking about, you know, specifically there, he's talking about the, the religious code of practices. They, you know, they, before they... Um, ate or drank anything, they'd, they'd wipe the outside of the, the cup or the bowl to make sure it was clean, you know, the, the, the purity um, codes, but not realising the inside's filthy. But he's taking that metaphor and placing them on the person. They are, look clean, they look holy, they look righteous, 
They've got big phylacteries, you know, the big boxes with scripture in there to guard their hearts. They wear long tassels. They wear the right things. They, do, they look like they're doing the right things, but they are dead on the inside because they don't have that personal living relationship with God, do they? They are filthy. Inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Notice how greed and self-indulgence is something that is coming up here. Often when we think about the good life, it's in the world's point of view, we often think that it is actually about having and consuming more. But that's not the good life. The good life is about our relationship with God. It's not about how much we consume. It's not about God blessing us and saying we want more. It's about having that relationship with God. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish and then the outside will become clean too. (coughs) It's important for us to be able to realise that it is that personal relationship, that individual thing that happens first and then the outside happens. Get that centred, get that right and then our morals and our ethics, the way we treat and behave, the things that we say are right and wrong, the way we live our life, will then show because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on and says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious laws and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. So not only does he say you you are filthy on the inside, that he then goes even further and drives it even further home. He says you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, yet filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurities. What an amazing illustration, isn't it? Can you imagine? Jesus is standing there, and all around you've got the crowd, you've got the teachers of the law, you've got the Pharisees listening in, he's got the disciples, and he's suddenly going, you are like whitewashed tombs. You. You with your long robes and tassels and all those kind of things. You are the one I'm talking about. He's not being gentle, he's not being nice. He's actually telling the truth here and making it hard. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You are not following the law of God. You are not following what God wants for you. So how do we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we avoid that hypocrisy? How do we avoid being lawless? How do we avoid being like whitewashed tombs? It comes back. It's pretty. It, you know, while while it's it's big, it's deep, it's heavy, it's hard. It actually comes back to aligning our lives with what God wants for us. It's coming back into that notion of saying, and, and let, let me put it back up on the screen for you. It's actually coming back and actually saying that what we want is for these the rich personal relationship with God to influence our morals, the rich personal relationship with God to influence our ethics. Fulfilling God's purpose for our lives is going to allow us to know what God wants for us. They all work together. They all come together. That is important for us as individuals. It is how we start to know what God wants for us. It's to delve into the Bible and actually let that speak into our lives. Yes, there may be situations that are different, but the principles and the purpose of what is being said is the same and it speaks into our lives today. That is what we need to do.
So let us come and know what God has for us. And I just want to share with you one piece, more piece of scripture. See, to integrate our beliefs and our actions together, all things need to come together as, as one. The good life according to God will mean that our personal relationship with God will inform and create our morals. The good life according to God will lead us to fulfil our purpose that God created us to be and to have. And therefore, our morals will be lived out openly and honestly within our community. But the thing that we will not do is we will not necessarily impose our morals on our community. Our morals will come from us. See, the thing that we need to realise is that God is calling us to change. Not to stand there as judge and execution and say, you have to change. God is calling you to change. And when you change... Society starts changing along with you as long as you're open enough to draw other people to come into that relationship as well, to actually build disciples and be a part of that, create a culture where disciples become something that you do, a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, how do we know that we're working towards the good life according to God with integrity? The best way to know whether we are making progress is to actually look at our lives behind closed doors. Not out in the open and in the public, but behind closed doors. How do you live when no one is around? What is it that you do? Does that align with what God has for your life? It's easier to be on show and do the right thing than it is to be in secret and do the right thing because no one's watching. And so you let it slide. And then that comes out into the public as well. And that's how people have got away with horrible things over history. We need to let God work us on in us and on us through all of the parts of our lives. It's easy to walk and talk in public, but, but, but doing the things in private, do they match our public life? So instead of spending all your time managing your public image, making sure that we look good on the outside. And, and it's actually interesting because this is actually something that the younger generation is, is all about. What is my public image? What is the image that I portray to those around me? You know, people often say that, you know, that now people have a persona that is their online persona, which is different to their physical persona, which may be different to their personal, individual, private persona. 
We need to spend less time managing what other people are doing there and making sure that it's not about what we look good, how we look good, but it's about our relationship with God. I want to share with you one piece of scripture. Again, from Matthew's Gospel, and it comes from Matthew 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, watch out. Don't do, your, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward your father from your Father in heaven. In other words, don't do it. Don't try and live your life out publicly so that people are going to praise you and make sure that you are the ones that are at the head of the table or the ones that look good or the ones that have done the right thing. But live your life with integrity privately and that will overflow into your public life as well. Live consistently with what God has for you. Because God will see what is done in secret. The good life according to God is integrating your relationship with God, is integrating our purpose in life, is integrating our morals and our ethics. It is to become more like Jesus, to be disciples that are more like Jesus. So let us just pray. Let us just pray that we too may become like that. Our gracious, loving God, we just ask that you may help us to become more like Jesus. Help us to integrate our lives successfully so that our relationship with God, our purpose that you've given us in life, our morals and our ethics, the way we behave and what we think is right and wrong, will we become more like you. Will we become more attuned to the way you would want us to have it. May our lives be a reflection of you, our Lord. May we indeed become more like Jesus today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.